This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. They, as a people, had a great zeal for God. But the problem was, it was a zeal without knowledge. Oh, they knew God, or believed that they knew God. They knew all about the religion toward God, but they were missing the most important thing of all, and that's that relationship with God. Beloved, how easily we can get caught up in religion, and even the zeal for religion, and miss the relationship that God calls for us to have with Him through His Son. Pastor David will be teaching the importance of having a relationship with Christ, rather than just being religious. Religion and rituals can lead you into having a stale intimacy in your relationship with Christ. You can have zeal for religion, but you could be lacking in your relationship with God. The point of your relationship with God is not based on all your activities you do at church. Don't get involved with being busy with religion and church, because you may miss Christ. God wants your heart. Now, here's Pastor David in the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 1, with part one of our message entitled, The Zeal of Ignorance. He says, Brother, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. And he goes on, he says, For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Paul had this great desire that his own countrymen, that his own nation, many of his own relatives would come to a knowledge of Christ. This was something that burned in his heart continually. Even though he was the apostle to the Gentiles, he still had this burning desire that the nation of Israel would come to receive their Messiah, to accept Jesus Christ as the forgiveness of their sin, as the knowledge of the completeness of all that God had laid out for them as a nation through all that he had shown them, through all of the ceremony, through all of the sacrifices, that Jesus was the fulfillment of that. And Paul says, man, I have this burning desire, my heart's desire and prayer is that Israel might be saved. And in verse 2, he says, I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Paul knew and understood all the complexities of Judaism. He understood the greatness of their zeal. He understood that they had the law, even as we shared when we were over in chapter 9, that to them was the adoption, to them was the glory, that Shekinah glory of God that filled the tabernacle in the temple. To them was the covenants, to them was the giving of the law, to them was the service of God, to them was the promises, to them were the fathers and all that came before them. Paul understood that for the Jewish mind, there was so much that was going on in all of their worship and all the understanding of who they were. And he knew that they as a people had a great zeal for God. But the problem was, it was a zeal without knowledge. Oh, they knew God or believed that they knew God. They knew all about the religion toward God, but they were missing the most important thing of all. And that's that relationship with God. Beloved, how easily we can get caught up in religion and even the zeal for religion, and miss the relationship that God calls for us to have with Him through His Son. You see, we can have this great zeal, but if we have zeal without knowledge, we move into a a major danger zone. 
we can go about all of our lives, living our lives, believing that we are pleasing to God, but we're missing it totally because we're actively involved with religion and missing relationship. He knew that that was the case for all of Israel. And yet he's also taking the same word and giving it to us today. Because you and I know that around us right now, there's many that are zealous and they're sincere people that are in this world. And in their zealousness and in their sincerity of their religion are missing the relationship with Jesus Christ. Very actively involved with religion, very actively involved with church, very actively involved with ceremony and ritual, but yet missing the reality of the relationship. In our next service, we're going to be having a, a baptism, a young lady that has professed that she never have followed the Lord and believers' baptism. But you know what? That baptism isn't what saves. That baptism has to be much more. It's the, the sign of what's already taken place in this young lady's life. Just for each one of you, if you followed the Lord and believers' baptism, the baptism waters do not save. It is simply a declaration of what's already gone. And just as all of our activity within church, within religion, should be an outflow of relationship rather than that being the point of what our relationship is. You know, it's easy to look at some religions and say, well, you know, they're, they're, they're nothing but a cult. They're, they're, they're completely separate from the Word of God, and we can dismiss all that they do and, uh, to, again, being, being of untruth and being so far away from what God's Word declares. But what do we do with those that should know better? Those that hear the gospel message on a continual basis, those that are in Christ preaching churches, New Testament believing churches, and still their lives are so full of nothing but religious activity without relationship. Can that happen? Three or four of you understood it can. Amen, it can happen. We can get so involved with the busyness of religion, the busyness of church, that we miss relationship. We miss Christ. Paul had to deal with that with the church of Galatia. And there at the church of Galatia, he came to them who should know better, who were taught, who understood what the Word of God spoke about who Jesus was, who right there at the first century, so close to the life of Christ, the crucifixion of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, and yet they were missing it. And he writes to them in the third chapter, he says, Oh, foolish Galatians! Who has bewitched you? Who's deceived you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? In other words, you know the truth, and yet you're wandering away from it. And beloved, this is a New Testament church. This is a Christ-preaching church. He goes on to say, this, this one thing I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? or by the hearing of faith. He's bringing to them that question. In your life, did you receive the Spirit of God in your life by going through all of the motions, by going through all of the law, or is it simply through faith? And he comes to them once again in verse 3. Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Can we, as a New Testament Christ-preaching church, 
And these individuals who claim the name of Christ get so caught up in religious activity that we allow our relationship to become weakened and set aside. Oh, but I'm busy about things of the Lord. I'm busy about doing a lot of good things. I'm actively involved in this group or that group, and I'm coming to church, and I'm giving, and I'm helping, and I'm serving. But what about our relationship with Christ? What about that one-on-one communication and closeness and intimacy that our Lord calls for us to have? Beloved, yes, even we are in danger of missing out, just as Paul says here. If we get so focused on religion versus relationship. All of these things are good. I mean, the activity, the, 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 the Bible studies, the service, the, the heart of a steward, all of these things are good, but if it's not built on relationship rather than religion, we're going to miss the boat. And that's why Paul tells us in verse 4, he says, For Christ is the end of the law, back here in Romans 10. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. What does he mean by it's the end of the law? Does that mean, well, Christ came, now we can take all the law and we can throw it out, now we can live any way that we want because we're saved by the blood of the Lamb. We don't have to, we don't have to answer to anybody and we're, we're just covered and the, the blood of Christ covers me from all sin. It's the end of the law. I can live as a lawbreaker continually. No, that's not what he says. And that's not what this verse means. As a matter of fact, the very word that he uses there on the end speaks of that Christ is the completion or the fulfillment of the law. Not that the law was done away with. What did Jesus himself say? He says, I've not come to do away with the law, but to fulfill the law and to complete the law within myself. The very word telos there, the Greek word that's used, means the completion of the law. It's the same word, or at least it's the root of the words or the phrase that Jesus used while he was hanging on the cross when he says, to telesi, it is finished. Not that Jesus' life, well, finally I've come to the end of my life and I'm done, I'm, I'm, it's finished. That's not the phrase, that's not the idea, and it's not the thought of what was declared on the cross. What Christ was saying is, I have completed the work that my Father has sent me for. It is finished with the sacrifice of my life all that god had planned and purposed for his 33 and a half years here on earth has come to a completion it is a fulfillment it is a done deal and when he declares it is complete even here in romans 10 verse 4 christ is the end of the law he is the completion of the law but the word even has a deeper or a a secondary meaning. It also has the idea that the whole purpose of the law was to bring us to Christ. There was a purpose, there was a goal in the law. And we read that in Galatians chapter 3 verse 24, how the law itself was a tutor that brought us to Christ. And so you could also say that Christ was the whole purpose and the goal of the law. The law was given in order that we might realize, man, I'm so far away from the holiness of God. I can't ever reach to the standard that he's given to us. I need a Savior. And that's what the law was there for, to draw us to Christ, to that reality that I need a Savior. And God provided that Savior, not in the blood of bulls and goats, but he supplied it through the blood of his Son, Jesus Christ. Amen? And that's the hope that's ours. Christ was the end of the law. And yet, it's effective 
only to those who believe. Paul is very clear here. He says that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. There's a twofold thing that I want you to understand here. The effectiveness only comes to those who believe. And yet, it says to everyone who believes. So it is a wide-open invitation that, again, God gives, not just for the Jew, but for the Gentile, too, for whoever would call upon the name of the Lord. And we'll see that in a moment. He says, for everyone who believes, Christ is the completion of the law on their behalf. Look at verses 5 through 7. He says, for Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does these things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is, to bring Christ down from heaven. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. That is, the word of faith which we preach. There's one thing you need to understand in all of what he's saying here, particularly in verse 5 says, when, when Moses writes, the man who does these things shall live by them. You don't want to live by the law. You do not want to live by the law. You and I need to live by faith. Because if we live by the law, that means that we cannot be lawbreakers, otherwise the judgment of the law comes down upon us. If you're going to live by the law, then you're going to be judged by the law. But the word says we're no longer under the law, now we live by faith. And again, that doesn't mean we live any way that we want to. But if we are living by faith, we're no longer under the judgment of the law. You don't want to be judged by the law, do you? Do you realize that that's what was placed on Christ? That's why Christ had to be crucified? That's why he had to shed his blood for you and I? But it's even more so than that. To live by the law, it requires a perfect and complete adherence from beginning until the end. If you're going to live by the law, then that means you have to be perfect from the time you are born until the time that you die. And I look around this morning and I realize that none of us made it at this point. So what makes us think we're going to go any further and make it? You see, we're already guilty. The law would already condemn each one of us. And yet people would say, oh, I want to live by the law. I want to live under this religious structure. I'm, I'm, I'm confined by the rules and the regulation of religion rather than realizing, no, we live by faith. And see, when we live by faith, we understand that our sin is forgiven, our present sin, our past sin, our future sin, not as a free get-out-of-jail card that allows us to live any way that we want. It's the reality that, no, in our failures, Christ has covered our sin. And now I live for relationship. I live in faith. I live in dependence upon what Christ has done for me. Beloved, it's because of all these things that we could look at the words of Romans chapter 3, verse 20, and realize how sweet and how true those words ring out for us. When Paul writes, he says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. 
For by the law is the knowledge of sin. It goes back to the very reason why the law was given. To draw us to Christ. Christ being the reason, the goal, the end purpose of the law. Then he has this little hypothetical question. Okay, are you going to say, or who's going to ascend into heaven to bring Christ down? Who's going to descend into the abyss to bring Christ up? Can we continue to be so good that we can draw Christ down from heaven? Or do we have to reach down in hell because Christ has died and bring him up? No, he says, that's already been taken care of. God sent Christ to the earth. He took upon himself the flesh of humanity, walked among us. We didn't have to go and drag Christ down. He took upon himself the sin of mankind. He was crucified. He died. He was buried. But he's no longer in the abyss. He's no longer in the grave. We can't go and drag him up. No, because he was resurrected. And the power of the resurrection was the declaration of God that the payment was good, that the payment was sufficient for our sin. We don't have to go up to drag him down. We don't have to go down to drag him up. He says right there, the word is near you is in your mouth and in your heart, just like we spoke last week at the resurrection service. The Word of God is all around us. We as a nation have the availability of the gospel more so than any other nation in the entire world. And the problem with that is, is that we've we've become toughened to it. There is a, 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 a harshness, to the gospel. There is a, a, a scab, a, a, a hardening to the gospel because we've heard it over and over and over again. There's not a freshness to it. There's not a newness to it. There's not a life to it for many people. Oh, I've heard that. I've heard that before. I've heard that before. And because they don't see it lived out in reality in the lives of those that claim Christ, the message is no longer impacting in the lives of those that need to hear it the best. Paul says, the word of faith, this, this is what we preach, the, the very word of faith that, that we preach. Well, what is that that he preaches? Uh, Paul preaches something that was totally radical. Absolutely, totally radical. Nothing that they had ever heard before. It was something that got their attention. It was the message of the good news. It's the good news and the reality that it's not works, it's not effort of religion. No, this is something totally and completely different. For him, it was not the law, it was faith and submission to Christ. And you see, that was totally radical to them. Because for the Jew, they knew that I had to keep all the ceremony, I had to go through all the rules, I had to keep all of the traditions, and hopefully, maybe at the end of my life, I would know that God would save me. It's just like many today that are under the bondage of religion that hopefully, maybe, at the end of my life, I might be able to gain enough points that at the end, the scale will tip over in my favor. Beloved, you will never gain enough points to be able to meet the holiness of God, just as the Jews would have never reached enough points. And that's why the radical message of submission to God and His plan through faith in Jesus Christ, it was like unbelievable to them. They could not even begin to understand, well, how could that be? It was so simple. And that's where we come to this great gold nugget that we find right here in the middle of the book of Romans in this gold mine. And that's verses 9 and 10. The riches 
I believe nugget that you and I will find in the book of Romans is here in chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. And again, if you write in your Bible, and I encourage you to do that, I encourage you to circle these verses, underline them, draw stars, arrows, whatever it's going to take for you to get the attention of what these two verses speak. When these verses speak to us about the fact that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. What is the effect of those two things, church? You shall be saved. The simplicity of the gospel message. How can I be saved? Right here it is. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, the word of God declares that you shall be saved. Because with the heart... One believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If you memorize nothing else in the entire Word of God, you as the people of God need to have verses 9 and 10 memorized. You need to bury that in your heart and into your mind, into your your vocabulary. Because someone you know would love to know how to be saved. Someone you know is so caught up in religion that they don't know if they will ever know if they will be saved or not, all the way to the end of their days. Someone that you know believes that they're not good enough to be saved, and perhaps they'll never be good enough. Someone you know has done some things so bad and heinous in their life of the past, they think that God has written them off. And they need to hear from you. You know what? The simplicity of the gospel message is not getting on your knees and walking up flights of stairs. The simplicity of the gospel message isn't going through ceremony and ritual. The simplicity of the gospel message isn't going through routine after ritual after ceremony after tradition in order to gain God's favor. The simplicity of the gospel message is if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Church, you need to know that and you need to be able to explain that to share that with those that you know, those that are within the sphere of influence of your life. We look at this and we say, well, what exactly does he mean when he says confess? Does that mean that I've got to go over into a corner someplace and lay out all of my sin for somebody to hear and to forgive me? No, that's not what he means. What he speaks here, the the definition of that word according to Vine's dictionary is to speak the same thing. In other words, to agree with the fact, to assent to it. And then he speaks of to declare openly by way of speaking out freely. And such confession being the, the effect of deep conviction of facts. Beloved, these aren't my words. This is the definition of the word that, that is being used here in the book of Romans. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. But this very same word is the same word that Jesus himself declared in Matthew chapter 10. When he says, if you will confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father. Do you understand what Jesus is saying there? If you will confess me before men, I will confess you 
before my Father. You know, the sad, sad declaration, the sad, sad testimony of the church today is, is that the vast majority of believers have never, ever shared their faith with someone outside the walls of a church. They have never, ever shared the reality of the hope that's within them to the lost and to the dying. Oh, it's easy to go around a room of friendly faces and say, oh yes, I believe in Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Open Word. Pastor David will continue verse by verse through the book of Romans next time. It's been said that if a believer were to drop their Bible on the ground, it should fall open to the book of Romans. Why, you might ask? Because this book is packed full of doctrine that we truly need to grasp as believers in Jesus. Or maybe you're listening today and you haven't placed your faith in Jesus yet. We encourage you to continue tuning in Monday through Friday as Pastor David shares insights from this book. Pastor David will be teaching through this book with hopes that all those tuning in each day here on The Open Word would either be saved or be encouraged in their salvation. If you're like most people, you probably use a smartphone. Once you subscribe to the Open Word Podcast, you'll always have solid Bible teaching available to you anywhere, anytime. So log on to TheOpenWord.com and subscribe to the Open Word Podcast. And to become our Facebook friend or to follow the Open Word Twitter feed or to access the archive of messages, log on to TheOpenWord.com. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next study of Pastor David's teaching through the Book of Romans. That's next time on The Open Word. Mm -hmm.